Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. How are you well? Good? Yes, it's nice to see everyone. Nice to see everyone. If we haven't met, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and it's um, a privilege of mine to lead the Bible study portion of our gathering this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, Acts chapter 5, excuse me. Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you look underneath the seat around you, you might find one there. You could use your Bible app. That's totally fine. I just caution you, if you use your Bible app, you'll get real distracted and find your way on Facebook or Instagram. I'm just throwing it out there. I know people because I know me. I'm just saying. So whatever you want to do, we will put the words on the screen behind me um, as we get through it. So if you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. Um, But I want to add one thing, if I may just by way of getting started. Um, I was in the back. Um, typically while the music is playing and worship is happening, I uh, rather than sit up front, I usually stand in the back. It's easier for me to get backstage from there. And um, I was just worshiping and praying and just asking the Lord, you know, what does he want to do this morning? And I just got this word, so I'm gonna just share it with you. This is not on my notes. So this might speak to some of you, it might not, I don't know. Um, and the word is this, is, is safety or safe. And I get the impression that there are some people probably coming to church, maybe because someone invited you, maybe because, um, I don't know, you felt some obligation or whatever. Who knows? Maybe God prompted you to come. But even in the midst of all of that, you feel some sort of trepidation. You feel some way about it. Um, I just want you to know the Lord sees you and, and there's safety here. There's safety here. Like you are 100% okay to be who you are in this place and find your way to God find your way to Jesus in this place, that you would be accepted. Whoever you are, whatever it is that you might be going through, you should feel safe. So if that was for no one, good, throw it away. That's fine. But if that was encouragement to you, then man, God's speaking to you. So, all right, let's get, amen. We'll take it. All right. So, all right, let's read Acts chapter five, Acts chapter five. I want to start in verse 27 and I'm going to read uh, quite a few verses in through verse 42. Um, this is the, t- the passage I kind of want to work through. I'll read this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give us a little introduction as to where we're headed. So let's just follow along here, starting in verse 27. And it says, And when they brought them, they set them before the council. And you'll know who the they is in a little bit. But just know this. A couple of people have been brought before the council, Peter and John and some others. And it says, and the high priest began to question them, saying this, we strictly charged you not to teach in that name or in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered him, well, we must obey God rather than men. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that because that is something our world could desperately listen to is that we should be obeying God more than men. Amen. That's a whole other sermon for another day. But this says this, then God, uh, the God of our fathers raised Jesus. Wait, sorry, but verse 29, ah, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. 
And we, Peter says, we are witnesses to these things. So we saw all of this. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, when they heard this, they were enraged. The council was enraged. The high priest was enraged. And they wanted to kill Peter and John. But a Pharisee in the council, his name was Gamaliel. He was a teacher of the law and he was held in honor by all of the people. He stood up and he gave orders to put Peter and John outside just for a little while. And Gamaliel begins to talk to them and he says to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men, knowing that he, they wanted to kill them. For before these days, he said, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 men, joined him. And yet Theodos was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and they came to nothing. And then after Theodos was a man named Judas. You remember him, the Galilean. He rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away some of the people after him. But he too perished, and all who followed him were also scattered. So, Gamaliel continues, in this present case, I tell you this, keep away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or if this undertaking, if this thing that Peter and John are doing, if it's of man, it will fail. Say amen. Yes, it will. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. And here's the scary part, is you might even be found to be opposing God. So the council, they took Gamaliel's advice and when they called Peter and John and the rest of the apostles back in, <laughs> I love this part, they beat them. All right, you can't kill them, but we can, we can beat them up real good, right? So they beat them and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. And here's the twist right here. And then Peter and John left. They left the presence of the council, and they were what? They were rejoicing that they, had, they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease. What did they not cease doing? Teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for our time this morning. We laud you. We exalt you. We thank you for everything that you have done. Lord, we ask that your son Jesus would be exalted, that he would be the most important name mentioned today that he'd be above my name and every other name spoken, that Jesus would be the, the thing that people think about when they leave this place. We love you, God, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. So welcome to Renaissance. If you haven't gathered, um, Jesus is a great big deal here at the church. He just always has been. Um, and in fact, what we like to do the first part of every year is go through some core values that we as a church hold near and dear. And the first value that we want to talk about is Jesus, <laughs> which sounds crazy. You think churches should be making their values Jesus. And I'm not going to criticize any other churches. I bet they all do. I have no idea. But I know we for sure make Jesus a large value. And this is important for us to go through at the beginning of every year, because if, if you're like, like churches like you in this sense, that you take stock of the new year and it's filled with hope, right? It's pregnant with possibility. And you're thinking, man, this could be the year that things go better for me, or this could be, right? And we as the church think the same thing. But just like in your life, if you're going to make strides to improve your life or do things to, to make your life better, whatever it is, exercise, some exercise, whatever, all the things, eat better. If you're going to do those things, you're only going to do those things if you value them. The saying goes like this, you only do the things that you value. 
And so it takes time to sometimes really consider why, why do I want to eat better? Why do I want to? And, and, and undergird that understanding with, with a real value, a real motivation for change, and then you can change. And here in the church, similar, we do the same thing. What are, what, what are some of the things that we want to do this year? We'd love to proclaim Jesus to as many people as God would bring in here. We want to tell to the world, anyone who would listen, who has ears to hear, that Jesus Christ is the only way by which a man can be saved. That no religious activity, no you can't buy your way into heaven, you can't be good looking enough, someone say amen. You can't be good looking enough to get into heaven. Jesus is the only way into heaven. And for us as a church, we center on that and a couple other values over the next few weeks as we do this core value series, what is motivating the things that we do here in the church? And the first one for us is that we make much to do about Jesus. We just do. And you, if you um, hopefully uh, are a Christian, right? And maybe you've sort of meandered in your life or whatever, and you're trying to find your focus back into things that God's calling you. Like, like Samantha was praying for you earlier that God would show you the way that he wants for you. Right? I'm telling you, the way to find that is when Jesus becomes the main thing in your life. And for some of you, this is gonna suck to hear, but some of you gotta let some other people go so that Jesus can be the main thing for you. That's just hard. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm just saying that's a, that's a real thing. So Jesus has to be the main thing. And we make that a core value for us here at the church. But Jesus, and I don't need to sell you on this, but Jesus is a big deal in the world around us period, not just here in this church. Culturally, back in 2013, seems like 100 years ago, Time Magazine listed the top 100 most important figures in all of history, and Jesus made the list. Guess where he was? Number one. Let's go, Jesus, let's go. So Time Magazine, like this is not a, 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 a Christian magazine, whatever. They even ranked Jesus as being the most culturally significant person to have ever lived on the face of the earth. Abraham Lincoln made the list, but he ain't number one. We love us some Abraham Lincoln around here, don't we? Yeah, but he ain't, he ain't not even in the top 50, I'm telling you. Jesus is the number one person. More songs have been written about Jesus Christ than any other character in the history of the world. More books are written about him, more poems written to him and about him than any other person. The Bible, this might shock you to know this, but the Bible is still one of the most shoplifted books in all of the world. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. It feels kind of weird, but it's like true. Like it's the Bible's about Jesus, right? And did you know this? There's free Bibles in every hotel room. <laughs> right? The Gideons put those Bibles in there and people take them. It's just, so maybe it's not stealing. I don't know, but it is the most shoplifted book. And, and, and here's the deal. Our calendar, this is so you, even as we just flipped into new year, our calendar is cut in two pieces because of Jesus Christ, right? We have BC before Christ and AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Jesus is a big person, not just culturally, but he's also a big person in the world, in the world religions. Did you know this, that, that Jewish people believe that Jesus was Mary's son, that he was a teacher, they called him rabbi, that he had many disciples, that makes sense, he was respected, that Jesus performed miracles, he claimed to be the Messiah, and he was crucified on a cross. This is what the Jewish people believe. They also acknowledged that his followers reported that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Now, the Jewish people don't believe this per se, but they know his followers do. 
Muslims, Jesus, they believe this about Jesus, that Jesus was born of a virgin. We believe that too. We believe that Jesus is to be revered and respected as well as we. He was a prophet, he was a wise teacher, and he worked miracles. Muslims also believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and they believe that Jesus will return again, as do we, yes, right? Jesus' name is mentioned explicitly or implicitly implicitly, 187 times in the Quran. He is mentioned by name explicitly or implicitly more than anyone else in the Quran. Isn't that nuts? I think Muhammad is mentioned 10 times. And he's the founder of that religion. The, the Baha'i, if you follow Baha'i, I, I apologize, I don't know much about that, but they believe this about Jesus, that Jesus came from God, that he was a wise teacher, that he had a divine nature, that he worked miracles and he was crucified and resurrected as an atonement for humanity. Buddhists believe that Jesus was an enlightened man and a wise teacher. Hindus believe that Jesus was a holy man, a wise teacher, and is a God. New age believers, now we're getting out there, right? They believe this, that Jesus was a wise and moral teacher. Jesus has some fit in almost all of these religions. And Christians, Christianity, we believe that Jesus is the only man to ever claim to be the son of God himself and still have the majority of the world believing it. In that passage that we read earlier, the, the, the Theodos and the Judas or whatever that Gamaliel was talking about, there are other people who claim to be the Christ, to claim to be the Messiah, and they gathered people around them. But when those people died, the, their followers were scattered. That's what Gamaliel was pushing towards, that understanding. But in our faith, we believe that Jesus was the Son of God and is the Son of God that he was crucified for the sins of the world, that he was buried in a grave, and that he was raised from the dead. That's what we teach. And so Jesus is a much big deal for us. And in fact, we would argue that the Bible, the hero of all of the scripture, and I don't know if you've had, ever had a chance to read through all of the Bible, but it is pointing to one person. The Old Testament prophets point to one person. The law in the Old Testament points to one person. The, the New Testament is writing about one person. Does anyone want to guess who that person is? Jesus, yes. If you're visiting, the answer is always Jesus here at the church. If I ever ask you to shout anything out, the answer is Jesus. So Jesus is important in the Bible. He's the main character, the hero of the story. And when we read about the birth of the church, churches like ourselves who started some 2,000 years ago, and that's what the book of Acts is really telling us about. How did the church start? What were the pinnacles of the church? What did they believe? What did they think? What did they preach about? How did the people act with one another? Was Jesus a big deal in the early church? And when we read the stories of the early church in Acts, we see that Jesus also was a big deal to them. In fact, it led to Peter and John to be arrested for just saying the name of Jesus. But to get there, we have to back up just a little bit. In Acts chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you sort of the Cliff Notes version of what's going on there. The disciples of Jesus had gathered together in Jerusalem. Jesus had died, been buried, raised from the dead, and ascended to heaven. So he's back at the right hand of the Father. And before he leaves to go to heaven, Jesus leans to his disciples and tells them, hey man, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes to you, until the power from God comes on you. And so the disciples obeying Jesus Christ, rather than leaving Jerusalem to go back home after Passover, they stayed. And 50 days go by, the day of Pentecost comes. That's what Penta means, Pentecost, 50 days. On the day of Pentecost arrives, the Holy Spirit falls upon these believers 
They start speaking in tongues, right? Sounds like a bunch of babbling. In fact, the townspeople thought they were all drunk in this upper room. And so they, they hear all of this. They hear this mighty rushing wind that the, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then Peter stands up to address the crowd. So the Holy Spirit has come just like Jesus had promised. And now Peter begins to say something. And the first thing he says, he says, he goes, all these people aren't drunk like you think they're drunk, okay? This is just fulfilling this, what the, the prophets foretold would happen. And this is the thing that Jesus promised would happen. So that's what this is. But then he starts to tell them why that was important. And the first thing he says is right here in verse chapter two, verse 22. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. What's he say? Jesus of Nazareth. He starts with Jesus, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God threw him. And he did all of this in your midst. What he's saying is you guys know this Jesus. He performed miracles. You saw them. You, you witnessed all of them and you yourselves know. And he starts to tell them what they did to Jesus, that they crucified Jesus, that he was the Christ and the Messiah, the Lord. But you religious people, you couldn't take it. So you had him killed. You had the Romans, you know, crucify him. And then it says, that as they're listening to this, it says that they were cut to the heart, that their hearts were pierced and they wondered what on earth they could do. So they asked Peter and John, well, then what must we do? And he responds to them in verse 38. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to lay the case out for you. Jesus was a big deal in the early church that he was a big deal long before we have the theological writings of Paul, right? All those epistles with all those heavy talks with Romans and Corinthians and all this stuff. And before we have the, the, the John the Revelator talking about the end times and all of that stuff, before any of that happens, we have Peter standing up saying, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the one we focus on. He's the one we pay attention to. Before we have food banks, I love me some food banks, say amen. Before we have anything else going on in ministry, before the church can claim to do anything for God, they have to teach Jesus first. Before you can fulfill what God has for you in your life, you have to make Jesus first. It's how the early church lived. It's how we as a church, when we started Renaissance 12 years ago, this became a core value for us. Jesus preached constantly. People probably visit and go, man, they talk an awful lot about Jesus. Yes, that's the deal. That's what we do. We preach about Jesus. And so Acts chapter three, Peter and John are walking into the temple to pray one day. And there's a lame beggar sitting outside the temple begging right? He's been lame since birth. He can't walk. He can't work. He can't provide for himself. And the only way he, he knows how to survive is to ask people for money as they go to the temple to pray. And Peter and John are making their way into the temple. And this man catches their eye and says, sirs, sirs, please, do you have any alms for me? Do you have any offerings for me? And Peter responds to him famously in these words, verse, thir verse six, chapter three, Peter says, I have no silver. I have no gold. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of who? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this guy does. 
He gets up and walks. And in fact, the Bible tells us, if you keep reading, he goes, he starts bounding around inside the temple, just praising God, just glorifying God. And all of the people that had seen him outside the temple gate for his entire life are looking at him. I think his name was Bob. I don't remember. But they're looking at Bob like, oh my gosh, did you see Bob? He's bouncing around. He's got like feet back. I don't know what's happening with him. What's happening? They begin to ask him. And there's, and like, he says, these people prayed for me in Jesus name. And all of a sudden my legs start working. I got my legs. And he's praising God in this whole thing. And the religious leaders catch wind of this. And they go to Peter and John and they said, listen, boys, you need, you need to stop this Jesus stuff. You need to stop preaching this Jesus stuff. You need to stop doing this type, type of uh, preaching. <laughs> and so anyways, they arrest Peter and John. You can read this on your own. There's a miraculous angelic prison break. I don't know how it happens. It's weird, but they get out of prison and, and surely they ran out of town. Surely they've escaped because they just got out of there. They just got arrested. There's, and they, and the, the religious leaders are looking for them. And guess where they find them? In the temple courts, preaching Jesus again, again, after they've been arrested and, and, and miraculously they escape, they're back doing the exact same thing. Why? Because Jesus is the more, most important thing that you can preach about. Jesus, the fact that he is raised from the dead and is alive, even though the religious leaders killed him. Jesus is the one who gives power to heal the lame people. So when we read this early church narrative, we learned that the early church helped people. And how did it help people? They helped people by preaching about Jesus and performing miracles in Jesus' name. Now, if I could write down some things on my whiteboard in my office that I would love to see happen this year in the church is that we would preach about Jesus and that we would perform miracles in Jesus' name. <laughs> Those are the things I ask for continually. I'm on the treadmill at 5.30 this morning. Don't ask. And I'm getting ready for today, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm just walking through my notes in my mind on a treadmill and, and someone pops up into my mind and they're going through a thing. And I don't need to tell you the thing because you don't need to know the thing, but I know the thing. And like the Lord reminds me of the thing and I just begin to pray and I'm convinced that God is, is, is hearing my prayer in the moment and I'm praying in Jesus name that this is gonna happen. This is gonna take place. This is gonna happen. And I'm believing it. And I ran into this person this morning. I told him I was praying for you this morning. He goes, that's strange. I said, I know it's very weird. I don't get up early to pray for nobody. Hear me. <laughs> nobody, right? And I'm awake and I'm praying and I believe that God wants to do this miracle in their life. It's only the first week of January. And I'm like, Lord, let this just be the beginning of something profound for this year. Let this be something big. We're going to continue to preach Jesus, Lord. We're asking you to come through, perform miracles in his name. We don't need any credit for it. We don't even care. Like, I don't care if it's me that prays for you or if someone that served you a burrito this morning prays for you. Someone's going to pray for you and God's going to heal you because that's what God does. Amen? Amen. Right. And then God's going to get all the glory for it. Amen. That's what we want. Well, that's what I want. I don't know what you guys want. The jury is still out on some of that. Yeah? So, anyways. So the question I have then, this is what we wrestled through the last few minutes that I have with you. Um, and oh my gosh, I'm out of time. This is crazy. Um, the question I have is, is what we just read in, in um, Acts 2 and 3 and 4 or whatever, is that, is that just descriptive? Is that just an historical account that Luke is recording for us? Or, or is it prescriptive? Is it something that we're not only to just understand took place, but actually expect to continue to happen? And as I already laid my my opinion now, I believe it's something that is prescriptive, that we are con to continue to help people by preaching Jesus and continue to help people by 
um, healing them in Jesus' name. So we will continue to do that. That's my um, guarantee. As long as I'm pastoring this church, that that'll be a value that we have here. And um, I don't think that'll ever change. And even when critique comes, because critique comes. We'll see here in, in Acts chapter five that critique against Peter and John came. And did you know we receive critique here at the church sometimes too? It'll shock you to know that people email me the strangest things. <laughs> Maybe it would not surprise you that people email me the strangest thing. But critique will come and we'll continue to preach Jesus and we'll ask for God to perform miracles and the critique will come. Sometimes people want us to be a little more political than we are. And what they're saying is I want you to be more political like me. Some people wish we'd be a whole lot less political, right? And what you're saying is like, I don't like it when you preach politics that don't align up with me. And some people want you to be more culturally involved when we should talk about which lives matter, which lives don't matter, and all, all of those things. And what are we supposed to do with all the, the LGBT issues that are happening in these court cases that are going up? We should be more involved in all that stuff. And I, hear me, all those things are incredibly important. And I think as Christians, we should be involved in all those things, right? But we are gonna preach Jesus and him crucified. We're going to preach miracles that Jesus can perform. We're going to continue to do that. And we will wade into those waters when we need to. But I'm telling you, Jesus will be the center point in all things. We're never going to be pushing, I pray, a political agenda, right? We're never going to be pressing any social agenda at all because Jesus supersedes. This is what you need to hear. Supersedes all of those things. He does. You can be a Christian and be political. Yes, but still Jesus is the most, most important thing. You can be a Christian and be socially active. Yes, please do so. You'll be a lot more like Jesus, I would argue, right? But Jesus is the most important thing in that. So anyways, if you would like to respond to that, you can send all email uh, to jeff at rendicator.org and I will try to read it before I delete it. <laughs> I will read it before I delete it. Um, and, I, and I say that jokingly, but you have to hear my heart. Um, every time I get a critique, I always ask the Lord, Lord, if there's truth in this email, I need to see it. I need to read it. So I'm going to read this thing. And Lord, if there's truth in it, Holy Spirit, come and give it to me. And then I delete it. And if there's no truth in that thing, I'm like, yeah, hey, it's fine. Right? If it wasn't for me, that's fine. So that sounds strong. I don't mean that it sounds strong. Anyways, I love everybody. It's awesome. So now we move to uh, Acts chapter five. And this is where we stand up with uh, Gamaliel, this person who's, who's actually addressing the people in this council. So no, notice this, that the people were upset because Peter and John um, healed this man, this lame beggar. Now, don't get it in your mind that they're upset because the man's been healed. That sounds cruel. I don't think that's the case. They're more upset that they're, G that they're preaching about Jesus. They're going around telling people that Jesus is alive and Jesus is in fact the one who healed this man. And so it's like they're saying to Peter and John, bros, it's okay if you want to help people. It's totally fine. You can help them. In fact, if you want to live a life of righteousness, you're welcome to do so. Just don't talk about Jesus anymore. And, and you see the distinction there? Like they're, they're saying you, if you want to help others, that's fine. Just don't do it in Jesus' name. If you want to do some other things, just don't do it in Jesus' name. And I'm arguing that I don't think you can do the one without the other. That makes any lasting difference. They respond, Acts chapter four, verse 20. And they say this, but we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We have to talk about Jesus. 
And that's what I'm praying for this church is that we would see the miracles that Jesus does and that we would have nothing but um, story after story to talk about and how the, the great things that he's done. He's healing marriages. He's healing people. He's, he's uh, restoring people's finances. He's doing all of these crazy things. And we just want to give Jesus credit for it and then just tell people about it. Amen? Amen. All right, so back to ch uh, chapter five here, verse 27, right? And it says, when they brought that Peter and, and John before them, they set them before the council and the high priest began to question them. This is much like a court of law type thing, if you imagine. And he says to them, verse 28, we strictly charged you guys not to teach in that name. And yet here you are sitting before us again. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, two things I want you to notice. In verse 20, 28, that says, we strictly charged you not to teach in his name. They won't even say his name, bro. They won't even say his name. And, and they keep, keep going. It says, and you intend to bring this man's blood against us. They won't even say whose blood? Jesus' blood. And can I be honest with you? This is, this is exactly what they're trying to do. It's exactly what they're trying to do. In fact, when I preach Jesus, I'm trying to preach Jesus' blood all over you. And why is that? Because Jesus' blood is the one thing that saves us from our sins, that atones our sins. The very thing that the religious leaders don't want that Jesus' blood would be upon them is the very thing they need upon them. They need Jesus' blood. Don't you be put his blood, your, his blood on me. I'm like, bro, you don't understand what you're saying. That's what we need is we need more of Jesus' blood upon us. This right here means I've run out of time. So <laughs> I still have more notes, so that's okay. I think, I, think what I, I think what the Lord wants me to say is being said, so I feel okay. And um, let me just peruse through. We go down to verse 40. We'll finish here. Verse 40. They call the, the apostles back in. Gamaliel gives his little speech and says, hey, if this thing's from God, you can't stop it. So just don't even try. And so they bring them back in and it says they beat them and then charge them again not to speak in the name of Jesus. I learned this week that that word beat could actually be translated skinned. That they skinned them. They would take, um, oftentimes prisoners, they would take their, their clothes off their back and they would tie them to a pole where their hands were in front of them and they would whip them repeatedly until the skin on their back would begin to flay open. And so when they said they beat them, that's what we're, we're learning about here. It's not like the headmaster came up with a ruler and cracked you on your knuckles because you cheated on your chemistry test again. No, they, they skinned them, they beat them told them, don't you preach in his name, and I hope you understand this time. And then they sent them on. And when they left, it says, verse 41, that they were rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer for, the, for Christ. I oftentimes think of, of the things in my own life that I hate to suffer through. I hate to suffer through the things that I suffer. But I'm learning that if we're doing, if, if the suffering is coming because of what Jesus is doing, sometimes what Jesus is calling you into is some type of change in your life, is some type of transformation. And it feels painful. It feels like suffering to you. But I'm telling you, it's worth it to follow after him. I don't need to belabor 
my story, because I know everyone's story is equally as important, but I remember really starting to follow Jesus in my late 20s. I became a Christian, I was 26 years old, and I really started to follow after him. And he, he so loved me that he was just telling me constantly, Jeff, this thing has to go in your life now. Jeff, this thing has to go now. And, and, and his loving kindness towards me, um, he didn't give it to me all at once, right? He just, he'd come up behind, now I need you to stop this, or now I need you to start this. Now I want you to stop this. Now I need you to start this. And I'm telling you, I started going to church. I got connected with people in the church. I started, my habits started to change. That Jesus became um, a primary thing in my mind all the time. Like before, you, you, you don't even want to know the things that ran around inside my brain. You don't want to know. When I became a Christian, man, like Jesus began to occupy some of this stuff. To this day, and I put my hand on my Bible and I swear to you, the, the first thought I have every morning when I wake up is Jesus Christ. I didn't make that happen to me. And like, if you're like, I want that, well, I hope you can have that too. I didn't ask for it, but I know this. Every morning when I wake up, before I'm like, I gotta pee, I think about, I think about Jesus. And I say his name, I say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, I love you. I say this, it's almost like I'm singing a song before I'm even conscious. Jesus Christ, I love you, I love you, I love you. And he's calling us into a relationship. He's calling us into something. And sometimes it causes suffering. I pray that we never have the skin off our back removed because of our faith in Christ. I pray that never happens. I pray it's just social ridicule, social media ridicule and some other things. Maybe some friends just dismiss you. That's fine. It's still suffering, but it's not the same. I, I just pray that we can get through all of this. In verse 42, it says, and continued, and every day in the temple, that Peter and John and the rest of the apostles, they went from house to house in the temple and they what? They did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. And so for us, as we go through core values, important things in the church. Um, Jesus is going to be the one, the one main one. Next week, we'll talk about another one. And the week after that, we'll do another one. We have three core values. We used to put them on our website. We used to have them painted on the wall, all kinds of cool stuff. It's marketing, it's whatever, right? And I, I was asked by a friend this week, um, I said, I'm doing core values again this year. And she said, she's like, Are, do you have the same core values? <laughs> Right? She used to go to this church years ago. And I said, I, we do. I've tried to change them. Because like, I, think, I think they could be cooler, right? But I can't because these are the primary things that drive everything we do. So anyways, I'm so glad you came. I hope you uh, are encouraged and that uh, you met with the Lord today. So let's pray together, shall we? Lord, thank you for our time. Jesus, you're amazing. You're the most amazing thing. And you are continuing to do amazing things in the lives of the people here in this church. So God, I ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us to be bold. Because that's what Peter and John and those, those men, they prayed that they would be bold to preach Jesus. And so Lord, let us stand countercultural sometimes against the current, so to speak, and just proclaim Jesus Christ for the world to hear. We know that Jesus changes hearts. We know that Jesus' blood saves people. We know that the, the blood was not wasted, Lord. We thank you for everything that you're doing. We lift up all of our friends and family 
who do not know you yet. And we pray that this year would be a year that they would come to faith in you and that their eyes would be opened, their ears would be opened and they would become a follower of Jesus. Lord, help us to be a part of that. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 